0: that trick get walk that trick get walk
1: that trick get walk that trick get walk
2: that trick get walk that trick get walk that trick get walk that trick get walk that welcome to part two of the Grizzden podcast listen to part one if you want to hear us uh, talk about the playoff series we just went through as well as some of the Storylines coming out of that and why we lost. Part two, we're going to talk about what's next. And I want to start this discussion by giving a sense of where the Grizzlies' salary cap sits for this next year, as well as what their contract situations are. And so you can use these, um, you know, facts to impress your friends if you'd like. But we're going to use them to set the table uh, for a discussion, so that we know you know what number 1 what's possible and then number 2 what do we want to do within the confines of what's possible right now the grizzlies are basically have 14 players under contract really it's technically 13 but Xavier Tillman is a team option so basically when players sign contracts Sometimes the very last year in the contract is either a team option or a player option. If it's a team option, it means that the team decides whether they're going to pick up that last year. If it's a player option, then the player gets to decide. And so Xavier Tillman, if the Grizzlies decide will to pick up his option, will be owed $1.9 uh, next season. Then he'll become an unrestricted free agent in the summer of 2024. And so let's just say we pick up his team option. We'll have 14 players signed. We also have our first-round draft pick. So, uh, assuming if if we keep that first-round draft pick, then Dylan is the odd man out because his his contract has officially expired when when this uh, season ends. And right now, the Grizzlies already, if the salary cap, which is estimated to be around 134 million, the Grizzlies have have already allocated about 138 million of that. So we were with this is without signing Dylan. So we are already about $4 million above the salary cap. Now, the there's a difference in going over the salary cap and actually getting into the luxury tax. There's um, a difference, and I'm gonna look up what that luxury tax number is. I know it's around 162 million. And so, basically, there are certain exceptions and uh, rules to where you can actually re-sign your own free agents when they expire. And there are certain cap rules that allow you to go over that salary cap in order to retain your free agents. And then there's also other exceptions, which we're going to talk about the Grizzlies are going to be able to use, like the mid-level exception, which is a little above $12 million. And that doesn't necessarily you, – you don't have to have cap space in order to use this exception to sign a player. And so all that said, when people are talking about signing free agents – We do not have the space at this point in time to sign free agents. John Morant, this is another big question. Is he going to make All-NBA or is he not? If he does not make All-NBA this next season, he'll make $33 million. He'll be the Grizzlies' highest paid player. If he makes All-NBA, that number goes up to 40. So that doesn't necessarily change. If he doesn't make All-NBA, it doesn't mean we have cap space even then. Because the projection I was using was him not making all NBA and we're still above the cap. Jaron Jackson is in the second year of his of his deal that he signed. He'll be making twenty seven. Luke Kennard is in the uh, the last deal where he has two left, um, but the second year is a team option. He's making fifteen. Tyus Jones is next, and next year will be the last year of his deal. He's making fourteen. Steven Adams signed a contract extension. He'll be making twelve point six. Brandon Clark. His extension will kick in, so he'll have four years at twelve and a half million starting this next season. Zaire Williams at four point eight on the books. Desmond Bain, like I said, oh, I I spoke wrongly. I said five million. He'll actually be making three point eight. So there you go, another point for Desmond Bain. Jake Laravia on the books for three. David Roddy on the books for two point seven. John Contrar on the books for the next like eighteen thousand years, Uh, but he'll be making two point four. Next year, Santi Aldama on the books for two point one. Xavier Tillman, like I already said, might be on the will probably be on the books for one point nine. And oh, by the way, we waived Kennedy Chandler and signed Kenny Lofton Jr. to a guaranteed deal, and so he'll be on the roster at one point seven. We are in a very unique situation where we basically have our team if we want them. Next year we can run it back. And that would involve either drafting a player in the first round using our first round draft pick or it would involve extending Dylan Brooks. Um, And he is if he chooses to accept an extension that we can offer him right now until the league year turns around and at the uh, end of June, he can basically be extended for four years and about 60 million if he chooses not to accept that extension and we offer it to him and he turns it down, he will be an unrestricted free agent. And then he's eligible to sign for a lot more than that. And we can choose whether to sign him or not. So that's the situation. We then have to decide, is it worth now trading some guys in order to free up roster spots, in order to uh, put a package together to, Basically, bring a team or or another player who's making an amount of money that we cannot afford to sign since we don't have cap space. Um, The last thing I'll say here is um, this is you'll hear the the term "bird rights trap" thrown around, and it's what Dylan has. Theoretically, Dylan has a lot of leverage right now because we can re-sign him and extend him for up to a certain amount, and. But if we, if he decides to walk away and doesn't take the extension, we can we we can't replace him with a a player at a similar value that he's going to be making, uh, theoretically, with our exception because it's limited at the amount of, that it's in. So technically, he has the leverage from like a contract standpoint, but we can argue whether or not he actually has the leverage from a um, negotiating well, standpoint.
1: And to so. Going into the season, we could have extended him. I think for a max of four years, sixty-four million, and and that and everybody at the time was going to be shocked if he did it, because they were expecting oh he's going to wake way more than that. I mean, going into the season, you had people saying four years, a hundred million, so twenty-five a year, four years, eighty million, Um, and they thought no way he would take four years, sixty-four, and but of course that was. At the beginning of the season, and that was throughout you know the time that the, the it could be extended, so that is the so that's kind of throwing out the ballpark of like what you think Dylan is expecting, especially at the beginning of the season, to where maybe if these playoffs and other things has changed what he could make, yep. but 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 in theory, I think it's a good thing. I think it's reasonable to believe that he turned down four year sixty four million from the Grizzlies earlier this year. Yep.
2: Uh, Last couple things. Kennedy Chandler is now a dead salary on our books since we waived him, and he was guaranteed two more years. So we lose $1.7 in dead cap and, and about $2 million the next year in dead cap. Um, that usually is not a big deal, especially if you're in a, in a situation like we expect to be in where the salary cap is going to rise over the, the coming years both due to just general revenue increasing and also this new media rights deal that's going to come in to play in the next few years. Um, But it is important for the Grizzlies in this next year because right now they have a $20 million gap between uh, where their salary sits right now and then the luxury tax. So about a $20 million gap. And so once you get to that line, the Grizzlies, I don't think in their history, have ever paid the tax. And that's going to come into play both this year and next, depending on how much uh, we we are going to be paying Ja and how much we are going to be paying Desmond Bain, who is extension eligible eligible this summer.
1: And for just for clarity's sake, once you're in the tax, are there any exceptions you can use? There are. Players? There's
2: a well. That could be changing right. moving forward, and we're not super clear yet on what that's going to look like, but there is a taxpayer payer exception that you can use to basically fill out your roster.
1: But it's not like the mid-level exception.
2: It's like probably four yeah. or five. Yeah, it's it's about half. Um, so, all that to say, guys, we are we have to make a decision, okay? Number one, we have to decide what are we going to do with Dylan Brooks, and I think we should talk about that first, what we think we should do. And number two... What are we gonna do to upgrade this roster as it currently stands? and who are the candidates on our roster that we would consider to be untouchable or expendable? and where where are we on those guys? So let's let's start with the Dylan conversation. like what are you guys feeling
3: about what we should do there? One thing I'll ask you all um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask Brantley this first. Um, he couldn't wait for this this conversation are you willing to just simply let dylan just go just let him go not get anything for him just again will's point of being like just basically lose out on that 15 16 million dollar salary like are you do you just want him
1: gone what what jalen brunson did this year to just
0: go yep just go away i think that decision's already been made personally i mean I, i don't know i think that they sort of the front office sort of knew that that possibility existed. Me personally, yes, I'm a hundred percent. I'm not worried about it at in the very least. I think we'll figure something else out. Now, I get that. I get that we want to try to hedge against that, but I'm not going to criticize the front office if he just goes and we get nothing back for him. I, I don't.
3: know. No, I agree Sorry. with you. I hundred percent agree. I think it's 100% run its course, and I think this wasn't, you know, directly said, obviously, but, you know, another, again, friend of the pod, Matt Harlicka, basically said in his little write-up that he thinks that we've been shopping Dylan for like a year, and I think we have been doing that, and I think if push comes to shove and we didn't, we weren't able to trade him and we were just had to let him go, then we just have to let him go. We've already – Proven that this front office or this front office has proven that they are willing to do that with Kyle this past summer, um, and I don't view Dylan any differently. Kraft, what do you think?
1: Uh, I'm I'm much more nervous about it than y'all are. I have just seen team after team let guys walk that command the kind of salary that Dylan will will get. I still think, um, and I get very nervous about just that loss. Of, of cap space like part of what made canard the canard get so amazing is that not only i think was he super helpful for us and could be going forward but that that's 16 million dollars of salary we now have to put into a trade to get a player back for us and i think that losing out that like basically now then that means we're capped out as far as Basically, we're signing somebody for twelve million dollars, twelve and a half million dollars or less. We're getting that kind of player, and for y'all, some of y'all that might think, well, that player could definitely be better than Dylan. But to me, my worry is, you know, I'd like to get a, I'd like to get an OG Ananobi, who you know would be like a twenty million dollar a year player, and that's the kind of player we can't get if we let Dylan walk. But
3: that is the kind of player we that's can get if we can trade true. him. Huh? Right. That's not entirely true. Though. True. I mean, there's In free agency, but we would have to trade for trade for him. anyway. We'd
1: have to trade other guys on our roster. Correct. I'm just saying that it, it, it it's like taking taking a tool out of the tool belt that we have. And I think the issue is, you know, and so for me, obviously, the number one thing possible is sign and trade is that's what I would like to do. I would like to sign him and trade them. I mean, have a team sign them and then us work out a sign and trade with that team to get some kind of assets back. Um, and I think more so salary. Um, and I would even be willing, honestly, to give up some assets uh, in draft picks to make sure we get a salary slot just because I think that does give us some flexibility. Again, I'm, you know, our front office has shown we did all sorts of fun, cool stuff the first couple of years they took over. And so now we would be doing it from the opposite. In other words, like we got a we pick from Golden State to give them cap space so they could do some stuff. And so now that's where we are. We're going to be the kind of team that's given up stuff to get back cap space. And so I don't think that it's irreparable as much as y'all do with the Dylan situation. Um, I do think it's hard to sign a guy for a long term um, and then trade him immediately. And so the question is, could we have him around for a year or two? I think that depends. I'm more like, I think we can survive that if we make other roster moves. I don't think it's that dire but y'all probably do.
2: My thoughts on this are similar to the extent that, let's just say you give, he accepts the extension that he's eligible for. So four years, 68, 16 a year, or 64, I think it was, and 16 a year. Then to me, it becomes a matter of, he cannot be on the roster come playoff time. Therefore, you have to deal him in the trade deadline. And you have to be confident you can deal him in the trade deadline. Right. Uh, I think you would be signing and trading him for a severe discount because his stock has never been lower. So, and, and honestly, we look at the regular season, and as frustrating as Dylan is to watch, you see the success of the team. And to me, where he really impedes your success is when you're in a playoff series where people can actually target him. But like night to night in the regular season, it would suck for like four months, that first four months of the season. To me, I'd be looking at the trade deadline and I'd be looking at Tyus Jones on an expiring plus Dylan equals thirty million dollars. What's the contract out there that's about thirty, or maybe it's a couple players and we have to cut somebody at the back end of the roster? But that's the type of move that I'm thinking about where we waited out one more two thirds of the season and then we see. And I think can that be
0: done? Can that same scenario not be done like Before the season starts. That would be the
2: sign-and-trade scenario. So we would basically have to flip. But then um, that's where I'm saying I wonder who who we would actually get in return in the sign-and-trade now when his stock is low versus if we waited. Could it be more – like could he repair – what he has right now and just have at least a positive salvage value. That's like barely over zero. Whereas right now it's in the tank
1: because as much as we hate Dylan, I do think to your point, he is a floor raiser in the regular season because he plays 110%, you know, every game he comes out. And so he's one of those guys that I think helps you in the regular season and in certain ways.
2: And I can't watch, like I, I truly cannot watch him in another playoff Series unless he changes his entire personality, which, which is not going to happen. Yeah.
1: Well, but what if what if the part of the signing thing is like in the front office and Jenkins saying, "Hey, there might be some playoff series. We sit you completely. Hey, you're coming off the bench. Do you think that like I'm out? You're I out. think I'm out. You think you're out For, on in that.
2: the playoffs again? If they re-sign him, people are going to freak out. You're going to see the Twitter thing like, "Oh my gosh, what are the Grizzlies doing? This dude is a clown." But really, I think they're thinking. If we had Dylan on this deal in the trade deadline last year, does something different happen? Because Good point.
1: Because th- he is a roster. I mean, like basically, it's instead of having some rookie or like some minimum player on the back end of the roster, it's having Dylan on there just because of his salary. But obviously, there's a lot of cultural stuff that goes into that. But that's the front office will be thinking we now have this salary to play with in the trade you know in trade scenarios and that's a huge thing that we lose if we just let him walk.
0: You're also you also could just be stuck with him. Yeah. That's no, a risk. So like and that's a yeah. risk. And so I, like
1: that's a risk I'm willing to take, but I think it sounds yeah. like that's not. So here's what I'm law. saying,
0: I like all the like like uh strategies of attempting to do the right thing to get off of him well, I'm in on like however, I want to lower the risk of him or the probability of him being on our team in the playoffs this next year period. I don't want him there. I don't think anybody else wants him there. There are very few fans that really like you can say it's the right thing to do from a, from a spreadsheet perspective, but in terms of him being on the court or on the bench at all in the playoffs, nobody wants him there. Therefore it's like, it's either sign and trade to me or let him walk. There's no like, sign him and hope you trade him at the deadline because you still could get stuck with him.
2: Well, I think it would be more of a, you identify the tanking team like the Spurs. Let's say they miss out on Wimben or however you say his name. And then you can basically pay them to take Dylan in the trade deadline. And that would be worst case because it's like you signed him, you made a bet that you'd be able to get something in return. But now you're just basically trying to shore up something maybe in the short term. You like trade him for Zach Collins to be a... Brandon Clark replacement in the playoffs or something like that. But you have to pay in order to do that. To me, I think there's, there are, I mean, or you have it, the discussion up front saying Dylan, like if you go on the open market, what are your possibilities? You take a step back and you say, where are you going to get signed? That is going to sign the same deal that we're going to sign you to right now. If we do this deal with you and you accept it, here are the terms. And if, and You know, you can be as upfront as you want to be about it, but say you can can either change and maybe play yourself into a role on this team, but we make no guarantees, so you give him that carrot on the stick out there of maybe earning it and still bringing 110%, but in the reality, you know that you could dump him and pay for it in February just so that you don't have to have him on your playoff roster.
3: And also, just because we can sign him to a four-year deal doesn't mean we have to sign him to a four-year deal. Correct. We could 100%. No, that would be him not taking the extension that we offer, right? So if we did offer the extension, if we did, who knows if we did or not, he declined that or we never offered it in the first place. Then, again, what we go back to, he is a unrestricted free agent. If he doesn't get any other offers in the offseason, which – Very similar to Tyus, right? Everyone was like, is anyone going to go after Tyus? What's going to happen here? No one did. We signed him to a two-year, $15 million deal. We can't, right? If we lose him, we can only sign him for the
2: mid-level because we don't have cap space. That's the caveat.
3: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if if he he does not
2: extend with us, we do not have the cap space to re-sign him. Gotcha. Like, we lose him. Um, Unless, like I said, he comes back for the mid-level, which if he did that, it means he has made a dire mistake. Yeah. because my guess is that extension is probably on the table, still. I don't know. I mean, I, I bet they're waiting on it. Uh, but I bet that extension was on the table throughout the season before this playoff debacle. Um, so
3: glad you
1: cleared that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just get. I just think we. Um, you can get off bad contracts now. It might it'll cost us some, maybe some picks, and I. I mean, but I'm somebody who actually. Uh I so I'm not okay with status quo. I would op- be I would be more okay with him being on our roster come this time next year. I know than y'all are for sure. But I just think for me my assurances would be the what how the front office and the coaching staff and the rest of the players are dealing with that. You know, which is probably naive to think they could do that. Um it would probably be smarter. I just there's no there's nowhere we see that letting a guy walk pays dividends. It just, I think, again and again and again, if you're a team that's over the cap and you let a guy walk for nothing, um, that's that's a guy who makes more, will make more than the mid level exemption. Your team just really suffers, and that's that's what I'm very nervous about. So I'm hoping there's a team out there that actually believes in Dylan, wants to give him a contract, and is willing to do a sign and trade with us. Yeah,
2: at minimum, I think a sign and trade is what I'd be willing to do. Um, I, I'd be very nervous about losing that salary slot. Unless, I mean, unless there was a mid-level exception guy that we were 100%
3: positive we can get, and he was going to Or pit. a guy that we could trade for that we were very positive that we could get, or do get before the draft, say. Yeah. Right? Like, if there is a deal where we, let's, I mean, us in Toronto, reopen negotiations, the whole OG, OG's back on the table, right? And we do Tyus, Zaire, and three first for OG, Right? Sure. That shores up. Point. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That shores up our starting three guard. We don't need quote unquote Dylan to play any type of role on our offense, right? That would make me feel very comfortable about just letting him go. But honestly, even if that doesn't happen, I just kind of want to let him go. Should we talk about the rest of our roster and how we're feeling? Anything um, else on Dylan from anyone, though? He's the worst. <laughs>
1: He's not as the worst as we as everybody thinks, <laughs> but he's he's still pretty bad.
2: To me, he is he is now a salary. Yeah, he no, is no longer a a positive value player. He is a contract, and I think that's where you have to start to think about these things in those terms, which yeah. is pretty crazy to think that we're here already from three weeks ago where we were anyway.
1: I mean, I like I just I mean him skipping media availability. Just everything about it. The it's just, I just don't, I don't, his agent has to be going crazy. Yes. How much money he's cost himself.
2: Okay, John Morant, untouchable, right? Yes. Right? 100%. Right. Jaron Jackson, crap.
1: <laughs>
3: untouchable? I say so, yeah.
1: Yes. I mean, he's the best player on our team, so yes. <laughs> 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 Let's go. I, I I'm I'm joking more than serious, but I I would actually say that we have two superstars on our team. I don't think
2: I don't think you trade the defensive player of the year. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, I
1: yeah. think yeah, yeah. I'm not hesitant on I, Jerry either. Yeah. Yes, I I think that I mean I I feel like, and maybe I'll disagree, but now that they've gone stupidly, in my opinion, but. I know other people like it. The, the All NBA has gone away from positions and stuff. I, I mean, I actually think he's a legitimate. Like he could make All NBA the next year or two. You just don't trade those guys, right? So,
2: Luke Kennard is. Why'd you skip Bain? Well, I'm going in order of salary. Oh, okay. I. You know what? You're right. Let's go in order of you know importance. Bain. Let's talk about his extension. He's up to. Uh, he can get up to five years, two hundred and four million, I believe was the number. Which is significant? Yes, it is. Um, he would, I believe, that would make him the highest-paid player. No, yes, maybe I can't do that math. But uh, Jordan Poole, Tyler Hero signed for about five one eighty-ish. I think it was one seventy-five. Um, so we t- we alluded to it in the first part of this podcast, but any hesitation to sign in bane for for all that he's
1: worth in that respect. Like I said, I think that if he wants the max, um, I think we have to give it to him. I think hopefully maybe we can negotiate. Maybe we can talk to him about, maybe there's a sense we can, he can take a little less. I don't know. He's probably gonna want the max, but I think if he does do that, then we get a a team option fifth year. Um, And, uh, and that, that would be sort of my like peak. That would be the thing that I would try to dangle is you get a fifth year, uh, but it's a team option for us um, and and so that we have them on this lower max scale compared to what's going to happen in the next couple of I years. I think it so.
2: probably would have to be reversed though where you give him the player option oh, in order to to sign in below the max. I see what you're saying, yeah, yeah. Um, oh,
1: yeah, So th- and the other way too. So if yeah, he makes yeah. the max, get a team option. If it makes below, give them a player Correct. option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed.
0: All right. Brantley has has some like just weird vibes, like without knowing all the numbers, that I'm just like hesitant for whatever the max thing with Bane is. And I, I think I comp- want to confirm that by the way. Huh? Um his his
2: his eligibility. I so just while like, you're talking, I'll confirm.
0: There's something to me that just like wonders In the last pod I was talking about how if you replace Dylan with a better score. And so that's, like, truly our third option. Like, right now, Bain feels like a max player because, like, it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, I don't know what this team would look like offensively without him. Like, we would be nothing. We would have no offense. It would be just jaw only offensively, and we'd be depending on Jaren too much. And I think that's, like, some of – like, and I feel that. And so some of me wonders, like, would Bain feel like a max player – if we had a better person in the Dylan role and would it feel more balanced and would we see maybe would, would Bain's value still be really high, but not as high as what it feels like it is on this team. Cause, cause some of me has wondered, like, would he receive maxes from other compet like contenders? Let me just say it that way. Like would, would, and maybe this is just where everybody's saying, like, yes, they definitely would. Like, the Nuggets, would they give him a max if they could have him? The Warriors, would they give him a max if they could have him? Would the Sixers give him a max if they could have him? Would the Celtics give him a max if they could have him? I'm talking – because that's where we're at. We're in, like, top eight in the NBA. And so I've just kind of asked that self – asked myself that question some with him towards made me feel like, I don't know, maybe he is – He's still a high-paid player, but not like – like Max just comes with this other level of thing to me that makes me question whether he's really there. And there were times in this playoff series where I saw him get held, like guarded really well by Austin Reese. And I know that Reeves is a decent defender, but like it just didn't feel like that that should have been happening for a Max-type player. So that's why I'm sort of just questioning in zagging just a little bit. I still wanna do what you gotta to do to get Bane, but it just feels like max. I don't know, it just comes with a different territory to me.
2: I'm on the record as like anything and I'll say it again, anything below a max is a win. That's how I look at it. So like if you can find a way to bait maybe be in like the the high twenties, low thirties with him instead of his absolute max, then like that's a huge win. And especially I like that all three of our core players assuming the extension gets done with Bane this summer, will be extended before the TV deal kicks in because then all of a sudden we're going to see yep. a lot open up and they're going to do cap smoothing. Like, you're not going to see another Durant situation where, like, it spikes 30 million and you can sign another, like, huge max player. But I think this is going to be really important and I do think the team is going to be more focused on the years. And, like, to your point, Kraft, like, if we can get five out of this, huge win. If you can be five below the max... I mean, and, knocked and, out of the park.
1: And I actually appreciate the wariness, Brantley. I, I think one thing that I feel like that is good is um, I feel like at the very least, Bane's going to always be an elite shooter. And I just feel like, especially once the TV media deal kicks in, that is going to be a great and extremely tradable contract and player going forward. And so I feel like if we even get to a point to where we feel like our core three, like we feel like maybe Bain isn't worth the max. We want to go after somebody else. I feel like the contract he signs this year in year three, especially going forward will be a very trade, like an easily tradable contract. And that might be wrong on my part, but I just think that it, because then it'll be a much less than max guy who, is is an elite three point shooter. And I also just feel like a lot of a lot of the Austin Reeves thing was also just he was also and other guys were hedging too. I mean I, I feel like this series at times. So um, I know. and I, broken toe and the broken toe. Like we have to remember he played with broken toe. But in last was year unbelievable was early this year. And
0: last year I mean he's he's yeah. he he plays no. through stuff, but I mean he's also I mean there's you know there's some guys that just always have Lingering stuff and like jaw and Bane both sort of seem to kind of, yeah, no.
1: yes, no, I agree. that's
2: fair. Number two, the other part, point that I would make if I were the team is you know, jaw and Bane have the chance to be like the next best backcourt in the NBA for like five years in a row, but both of them have defensive liabilities, and so it's almost as if like Jaron is, of course, the perfect complement for that, but it's how you feel in the other two guys are you you have to prioritize defense? unfortunately. So that's why the Dylan position is so important not to sacrifice too much defense, but you're going to put yourself in a position. You're going to back yourself into a corner where, yeah, your top two guys are undersized. They're elite at what they do, but yeah, there's, there's some risk for sure. Um, okay. This is the, these four guys, I think we should treat as like sort of a group because they're all making between 12 and 15.4 next year. And that's Luke Kennard, Tyus Jones, Steven Adams, and Brandon Clark. So, when we're talking about trading and, like, upgrading our roster, you ha- you think that where we are in our team life cycle, we're trying to get to a point in a salary structure to get a guy who's making 20-something-plus million dollars for the caliber of player we're wanting to get back. Not saying we couldn't find guys on the margins, but these four guys are the ones you're going to have to include. In trades, Yep. So, I'll. Where do we start? Unless we can
1: sign trade Dylan for twenty million, exactly.
2: Um. So Won't let's happen. start with Luke because he's making the most. Like, yeah. Where is Luke Kennard on y'all's like untouchable scale at this point? Because he's proven to me to be fairly valuable based on lots of data.
3: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I would. I would probably value Steven over him, as oddly as that may seem. Y'all may disagree with me there. But outside of Stevo, I think that's it. And that's including BC. Um, I think what Canard provides and the position that we need him to provide and the fact that Tillman honestly held his own pretty well as a backup big. Santi kind of coming in. Yeah, he had a pretty bad playoffs. Uh, but he really kind of impressed during this season. Um, Brandon is sneaky, like the fourth oldest player on our roster, which is wild. Um, that's kind of the order that I would rank them in. Um, and the crazy thing is that that Tyus may be bringing up the rear. Um, if we are truly making the move to like, okay, how do we compete big in the playoffs? rather than competing big in the regular season, I feel like, I don't know, part of me thinks Tyus is the, is the one to go um, in that scenario. So if, if you ask me if I had to trade one of the four, um, to me Tyus would be the one to trade. And maybe I'll regret that when Ja gets, you know, tweaks an ankle and is out for 25 games from December to March or whatever it may be. Um, but right now, thinking about on this past year and, again, just watching this playoff series, um, I would probably rank it as Steve-O, who I would like to keep in order. Steven, Luke, BC, then Tyus.
1: I, I would dis- – the only difference I, – I have the same. Um, I'm – so, and this will be weird coming from me. At this point, I see BC as a dead contract. Uh, period. Like, if we can get off BC – I mean, this is sad to me because he's probably, like, one of my favorites. Like, he's not our best player, but he's, like, just one of my favorite, like, players, personalities. Uh, I just – I think he's – I think for next year, we have to have somebody like him because I think he's out. I don't know if we'll ever get his athleticism back. Like, I feel like – so I – uh, but I'll say I'm not really disagreeing that much with Ty because I also think Tyus is somebody who we have to get off of too. I mean, I just think there's so many teams that want a guy like Tyus that need a guy like Tyus. I just think we're at a point where we don't need that. We need, we need a different kind of backup point guard. So I don't know.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm basically aligned there. I think, Kennard, I want to run it back. I want to see him on this team. I think he's such an important weapon for what we need. I mean, if you rank like team needs, like shooting has to be at the top of the list. And he's, I mean, why would you give up a shooter like that? It makes no sense. We saw what happened when Steven Adams wasn't with us. I kind of hope he retires Grizzly um, in a weird way. It'll and, probably be in
3: like a couple of years. <laughs> yeah.
2: But, yeah, Tyus and Brandon, I mean, it really sucks. Like the Brandon Clark situation – I mean I know that medicine has a you know getting better every every year every passing year but Achilles I mean we're watching you know Kevin Durant tonight still play have an Achilles but I think that he's more the exception than the rule when it comes to Achilles injuries and so because he can do a lot of other stuff um that Brandon Clark can't at this point and so it really does I mean 4 years is so tough. I really don't think we're going to be able to trade that contract for maybe another couple years. Like I, I would be shocked if a team unless they are just like starving We'd have to get for some
1: major assets with that.
2: Like it would be a it needs to be a team that's either really really bad and making bets. I mentioned Zach Collins earlier with the Spurs like that's exactly what they did with him because he had messed up his knee. Um, and he basically just waited a year for him to get healthy and now he's actually playing for them. But yeah, the Brandon Clark thing, I mean, like I would, if somebody's trying to get a trade done, like he's the first name I would throw out. And if they say no, which they probably would, I would then move to Tyus. And then when you get to Luke and Steven Adams, that's where it becomes really dicey on whether you want to give those guys up because they're so essential in the specific roles that they play.
1: But I'm with Ty too. I think Stephen Adams is the more untouchable one. Yes, and then I, I mean because I do think Luke's been awesome, and it's just it's just it's just nice having amazing shooters on the Grizzlies after like our entire franchise history of struggling for that it seems like um, other than like I guess like Mike Miller of just pure shooters, but uh, but I do think that that he but like if I can get you know uh, a Bridges or no OG – like I'm I'm driving Canard to the airport. You know, no offense to Kennard. So like there's certain players that I think are worth putting him in a deal for, but obviously I'd love to see him with the rest of our players.
0: You put OG in the same category as Bridges still. Uh on driving Canard no, to the I, airport. I, I
1: don't put them in the same category, but I put them both in the category of I would give up Canard for them.
2: Well we have a Canard in waiting with Laravia. Right? I will
1: I will the other thing though, I will say though, it will be interesting that to racist. see it would be interesting to see Kennard with Adams, like like our original starting five, but Canard instead of Dylan, just what that like I think I am very intrigued to see that lineup if it can happen.
2: Okay, now we get to the to the bottom half of our roster, which are the young guns: uh, Zaire Williams making four point eight, Jake Laravia three point one, David Roddy two point seven. John Contra 2.4. Santi Aldama 2.1. Basically, to me, these are the guys to where you have the salaries to make the deal work up at the top. Yep. And then these are the sweeteners, sweeteners yep. that you throw in. Every every team when they're making a big trade wants a young player so they can develop in their their own organization, but also sell it to to fans and and everyone else that we've got a development guy. So Um, we don't have to spend like a ton of time on this, but in terms of Zaire, Laravia, Roddy, Conchar, Aldama, we can throw Tillman into this if we want to. How are we thinking about these guys? Like, who are you, who are you offering first to get rid of and say, like, if you want to take him, take him. And who are you offering last? Maybe we can just do like the extremes. And I'll read through the names one more time: Zaire Williams, Jake Laravia, David Roddy, John Conchar, Santi Aldama.
3: We'll wait for Tillman. I, yeah, I think Tillman just with his guaranteed money. I think only for a year left. I just don't think he's extension eligible if we exercise the option too. That's true. I just I think Tillman's. I I would be very surprised if he's traded. Yeah. Um, the one I just keep going back to, um, is Zaire. Just because I think he probably holds more value than any of the other guys um, just with his the position that he plays, I guess that positional need the 610 wing who can do a little bit of everything theoretically. Um, that's who I think we involve in the trade. Um, if we are looking to truly upgrade a wing and go after like a guy like a you know like a flashing lights guy, um, I think Zaire's in the trade for example, Um, I mentioned this to y'all off the pod, but, like, a trade that I could see potentially happening is, again, we re-engage with Toronto on the OG Talks. They let Van Vliet go, who's also an unrestricted free agent. Maybe he goes elsewhere. They don't have a point guard, right? We do Zaire, Tyus, our own 2024 A 2026 and a 2028 pick maybe heavily protected the last two or something like that for OG and something else. I don't – that's irrelevant. Svi Mikhailuk. I don't know. But I can see something like that happening. Um, That's like a – I mean, I'm kind of hoping I, like, just put it in the ether and make it happen. Um, If we do any kind of Mikkel Bridges thing, which, again, I just don't really think that's likely – um, that is signaling that Brooklyn is in full rebuild. Like, if they're trying to win at all, they're keeping bridges. They're not trading him. He's the best player on their team right now, right? Like, what can they do outside of him? I don't know. They just got swept in the first round. Maybe if they start out, like, you know, 8-20 and 20 to start the season at the trade deadline, they're maybe like, ah, I don't really know where we're going here. Um, so maybe we keep the powder dry until then. I don't really know. But, again, if we if they trade him also, they're going to be – it's going to be a full rebuild if they trade Bridges or at least a part rebuild. And they're going to want a young 6'10 wing who is a top-10 pick in the draft. Um, and to me, again, that's where Zaire comes in. I think that's the guy we most likely trade if we are truly trying to upgrade three spot.
0: It just it – I'm with you. And also, I'm like, man, what value does that guy have? Great point. So <laughs> Probably not much, to be honest. It is all projection. It is all theoretical and at so this And so, it's point. almost like some of it is even, like, I could see, like, Santi maybe, like, holding some value with some teams just based on him being long. Had Stretch some, four or five. Had some defensive presence, was able to actually make shots. So, if you're a team, like, you know, whether you're San Antonio or Brooklyn or whomever it is, you're getting back a player – who you know is going to be able to be fairly competitive and, like, actually maybe help you win games if you're not just in full-blown just race to the bottom. But it feels like Roddy won't be on the table. Like, he's a Jenkins guy, and, and it it's not even possible. I he's feel number like, one on my list. I feel like everybody else – this is more about what's actually probable. I feel like everybody else other than Roddy is it could be probable to be thrown in depending on what the team – we're not going to l- we're not going to let that player break the trade. So,
1: right. like and I would say even with Roddy, if we have the right guy, I don't know, yeah, if we would exactly. let him break the trade either. Um because I do think I I I do think that our front office will be much more I mean, it's not in like win now mode or else, but I think it's very much we can't have a season like this season end uh next season. And so Uh, so I, that's the way I feel. I mean, I, I'm kind of like, like, I do think, I think I'm with you all. I agree. Like Roddy's the one I would least, I would be most surprised if he's moved. But at this point, I'm just like, honestly, our three core guys and then Steven Adams and then everybody else, if we can improve by getting rid of a couple of them, I'm like for it, even Kennard to an extent. Um, and that's just the way I feel. And it's weirdly and weirdly in a way, it's not that because I'm somebody who kind of enjoyed what we did with all these developmental players. I actually believe in our development in a way that I just think whoever we are left with will make them into a feasible player. I mean, I would be shocked, honestly. Uh, actually, with Tillman now, you, he might have some value as a sweetener just like because of the role. Definitely. And I think we would do that. I mean, Conchar to me is somebody who I just think is going to be a lifelong group. I just think – I don't think any other teams are going to value in the same way that we do Is just kind of like – an eleventh, twelfth guy on the bench that we know when injuries in the regular season we can throw him in the connector. Yeah, I mean, I and honestly, I mean that's because that's always the way I viewed it. That's why I love his long contract, especially once the everything goes up, because I just think he's a perfect guy who doesn't get mad if he doesn't play. He's a culture guy; people love him. He can come in and make you some plays, but we don't want him playing major minutes in playoff series, obviously. Um, but you know, so he would be a guy. I would be surprised if some team out there was like, was like trying to get Conchar added into the deal. But, uh, but other than that, you know, I mean, I just think uh, that's why I think, you know, in some ways, maybe this is the weird thing. We collected a bunch of young assets so that we could just kind of like let teams say, which one of your, which one of these guys do you want? I mean, I haven't given up on any of them. Like I still just think all of them wrong. Even Zaire would not surprise me if, this was just the year from hell and he comes out and is actually a decent player next year. But I'm also, I mean, I don't think in any way he's like somebody you would want to guard from trading.
2: Yeah. I think the biggest argument against going into next season with all of those guys on your roster is going to be the veteran argument. And I think that's the key here because we see what happened this, this playoffs and a lot of there's a lot of voices out there saying there wasn't that one veteran who calmed everyone down. And so if you're if you're telling me you're going to retain a LaRavia, uh, a Lofton, a Zaire, you know, all these guys. I think Roddy's kind of risen above. He's kind of the cream of the crop in this group so far. So, like, obviously keep him. And I also think you're thinking about defensive upside with some of these guys, and LaRavia hasn't shown it. Zaire at times, but it's been more flashes than anything. And, I mean, Lofton I love, and I want to keep him, and i love for him to be our 15th guy. Um, but at the end of the day, it's kind of like, where, where are you sacrificing the roster spot? Because this is a lot of roster spots taken up by a lot of darts that you're throwing. And so it's like, when are they going to materialize? How long are you going to give it to, to materialize before you say, we need to just consolidate this? into who and make a decision. So, I mean, this maybe kind of folds into our discussion of whether or not we think that the first-round draft pick is going to hold because if we re-sign Dylan to to even, let's just say, do the contract work that we were talking about, like, you don't have a slot for the first-round draft pick unless you cut somebody. So, I mean, do you all think, like, just sitting here right now today that the Grizzlies make a draft pick, period? Or do y'all think they're gone, like the draft picks?
1: I don't think I so I will say I think we're going to have a um, Conley trade type year. I think we're going I, I predict we're going to look up and it's going to be uh, tons of transactions like that. We're going to be doing we're going to be in all sorts of weird transactions. I think we're going to get it. I, I believe, I'm thinking we're going to get a pretty good roster sort of overhaul reworking where we're going to have a lot of different players or just different stuff. A lot of – maybe you know just a lot of little things, but I just think we're going to – so in that sense, I don't know. I think everything's up for grabs. I think if we've made a draft pick, it's because we've opened up a ton of roster spots uh, because we've made a bunch of deals. So that's what I would say. But I think it, most likely it's going to get traded, I would think.
2: There's also a third two-way spot that's going to be open so you're eligible to basically like draft and slot a guy in a two-way so you don't have to be on the main roster so that's i guess people are trying.
1: the nba got freaked out by five second round picks getting picked they're like we need we need other ways to get second rounders on teams and stuff
3: so there's options yeah but i just have a hard time predicting what we're going to do because again i just keep thinking of last year's draft everyone was like we're going to take this pick, consolidate it with players, and move up or get a player and something like that. And no, we actually traded back into the first round again for another pick. Uh, I have no idea. I really don't. I This front office, I have no read on. Um, it's probably for the best. Like a guy who podcasts every other week probably shouldn't have a great idea of what a front office is going to do. What would um, Chris
0: Wallace do in this situation? Ty?
3: who whoever plays for Kansas—that's someone. Grady in Grady Dick, yeah. baby. Was, up, was top, that
1: was a top. That was a top five prospect.
0: Is yeah. there a Chandler Parsons in this year's free agency?
3: Great. Oh gosh, I don't know. I uh, hope not.
1: I will say this: when you look at the drafts, Kyrie. when you look at the drafts, Kyrie, <laughs> we we really even though we talk about all the young guys, we also we always grab people. So if you think about it, we got Stephen Adams in the Zaire deal, we got, um, you know, Danny green who became canard in, um, in the draft deals we made last year. And so it, it, to me, I think this draft pick will get like uh, part of me. I don't know if we'll like move up, move down, but I know that we'll probably get some kind of player with it to do something. Like I would be shocked if we just select a draft pick. Like, I think we're going to use it to bounce around um, and probably b- bring some other player in, some kind of because that's just what we do every year. It seems like we bring in somebody and we draft somebody. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the the stat still stands
2: that John Morant and Vince Williams are the only two players we've selected with our with our pick that wasn't traded up or down, whatever. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, I think the Tillman question, maybe Tillman and Lofton are like the last two that we haven't formally discussed, but. Lofton's this year and next, and, um, I mean, we're still all part of the club, right? Right, right. I mean, he's going to be starting next year, right? (laughs) And then Tillman, there is an interesting opportunity to basically accept his team option, pick it up, and then extend him because he is extension eligible. He will expire after next season, become an, uh, an unrestricted free agent. And so, or it might be a restricted. I can't remember. It's very late. Um, so, I think Tillman to me has potentially played himself into an extension. And I, I, I was of the mind that we might have had, have seen the last we, before this playoffs. We might've seen the last of Tillman, but he is such, such like an organizational, just like glue guy that I would have loved to see him like on our staff in some capacity, even if he wasn't getting minutes, just like sort of a, a Udonis Haslam in like 10 years type of role. Cause I just love the vibes with he's, Tillman. He's
1: kind of like a rich man's conchar for us. I feel like, yes. like that's sort of his role.
2: Yeah. Um, but any any final thoughts on the roster? Maybe it can be as, as high of a level as you want it or as, as low as just like a Xavier Tillman extension. But like as we're going to the offseason, what is like the biggest thing on your mind? And we'll end it here.
3: I just wanna see I wanna see us make moves. I wanna see us shake things up. And realize our window is open and try to capitalize on that and try to put around the best possible roster we can around our three guys and no more draft and develop. We've done that enough. That can only get you so far in moments like this. If I look up next year and Santi is like our seventh leading playoff minute guy, it's probably not going to be ideal. Um, no offense. I think he's going to be a solid player. Receipts here. There you go. But I just I, – I want us to – I want us to act as if we are contenders. I uh, texted y'all this the other day. It feels like every contender in the last like several years has made some form of big move to kind of get them over the top. I even think of like the Drew Holiday-Milwaukee trade. Maybe that wasn't like a huge thing, but it definitely raised their ceiling. Kawhi and Toronto, obviously. KD to the Warriors is more of like a transaction. Uh, we'll see who wins the title this year. Um, there's always like AD in the Lakers is another one. Every team that has like truly been in serious contention um, has made some type of significant quote-unquote all-in move, right? I don't know if we're going to make an all-in move. I don't know if we're going to lay five first-round picks on the table, unprotected, all that kind of stuff like the Wolves did for Gobert or whatever that looks like. But I want to see us be a little risky, Right, take a risk. Um, we have so many assets. What are we using them for? We have everyone under contract. We can't keep drafting all these players. We can't keep doing this. We have to eventually put our chips on the table and see if we can get back for it. And I think that's going to happen. That's my that's my like bold prediction as we go into the off season. Is I think I think a significant shake is coming, um, and a lot of that has to play with what we try to do at the deadline. Um, so we'll see, but that's, that's my guess, and that's, that's honestly my hope. I want to see us try to do something big to really, really, really improve our ceiling, even if it hurts our floor.
0: I think the, the thing that's been on, that will be on my mind is just like when the Grizzlies have made moves, for the most part, it's been teams that are were kind of in the middle of some of the other bigger moves happening um, and just sort of call it NBA movement. So, you know, you've got speculation on, like, what the Blazers are going to do, what the Clippers are going to do with Kawhi, what's going to happen with Kyrie in Dallas, you know, the rumors of James Harden to Houston, what Brooklyn's going to do. You know, there's a lot of franchises that, that have still kind of, like, what what's going to happen with them? What will Charlotte do with a new ownership structure? So there, there's some teams out there that could be really – retooling themselves in a way to, to get more realistic about where they are. And there can be some fringe opportunities there for lots of, lots of teams and can put the jazz in this context too. Will they try to go after it again next year or will they, you know, will they fire still a bit to kind of uh, take on a different, uh, a different take on the season. So I, I do sort of think that there's, there's probably other players that we're not thinking of that, that could help where we need to be active and, and add in and just take advantage of movement versus trying to to push in lots of chips potentially.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, uh, I definitely think we need to make moves. Uh, for me, though, I, I kind of agree with Brantley in the sense that if we make an all-in move, it needs to be – I mean, like I think we agree somebody like a Mikael Bridges would be great. But I am nervous because you look around – and you look at like the T-Wolves, the Hawks, I I would say the Cavs made all in moves on guys that I don't think ultimately are gonna raise their ceiling to a title. And so so I get nervous about about that because I actually think our core three, I'm obviously I'm always high on Jaron and Ja and You're always high. I'm always high. Uh, and so <laughs> So with that, uh, I am a Explains fish fan now. So, um, but now I'm always high. But now I'm always high on Jaron and Ja and Bane as a core that can win a title. And so, I actually this is one of those years where it actually Dylan, um, I don't know everything that happened this year. And I still almost beating the Lakers or being close uh, makes me feel we like didn't almost beat the Lakers makes me feel like that we did almost beat them. All right. So, but makes me feel like that. That I would be okay with like your Derek White, Josh Hart um, Not type veteran. But I mean, I think we have very specific needs. Like I said, I think we need a backup point guard who can play, who can actually play with Jaw. We need a rim runner to replace Brandon Clark, like just some athleticism in general, because I think we lost some of that. Uh, but so I would be okay with some like two or three veterans instead of the one big all in move. But, some, but to where we know going in, like, we have a playoff core and we're not having to play some iffy people. Um, so I would be okay with that too. But I, I would think we always, with all the shakeups that are going to happen, I mean, I think we need to be, where, be looking for that all-in move or the big move. But I'm also okay with adding, like, two really good players or something like that. But I just think at this point, the, the developmental – Uh, we don't need to develop any other guys as in developmental guys that are going to get major minutes for us Uh, and especially be expected to play in the playoffs. I think we need, we need some veterans some people with experience and uh, you know, and just, and honestly some guys who can teach our, our core guys how to win in the playoffs.
2: Yeah. My two big questions are number one, how willing are we to go in the tax? That's going to be huge for the next few years. And number two, how much value if we're unwilling to put Ja, Jaron, and Bain in a deal, how much value do the rest of our guys actually have? Because I'm worried it is not that much. And I'm also worried that people don't value our draft picks that much. And this is where the Golden State 2024 pick comes into play because I think people are going to be watching Golden State and what they do this summer, and it's going to directly impact the value of our 2024 pick. And you could argue that is the number one asset that we have on the board. Besides our contract matching and everything like that, which I don't believe we have anything specifically strong. And Zaire was going to be that piece, and he has not proven to be that yet. So, with those two things combined, we're in for a very, very intriguing offseason. We will be with you guys every step of the way, breaking it all down. We'll have our, you know, the annual pods where we prepare you for the draft where we react to the draft where we prepare you for free agency and the trade deadline everything is ahead it's kind of crazy that it's coming up in the next couple of months but it's coming so we'll be with you and for craft for ty for brantley i'm will thanks for joining us we will talk to you soon